0: Okay, so we're up to the top of Kuf Aleph Amid Aleph. So just to finish up this parak, Taner we had this a person who is a uh, Kuf Aleph Amid Aleph. We had this person who he doesn't know who his father is. There's two men that potentially might be the father, might not be the father. So we said in the Mishnah that if he hits them, he's nachayev because it's He doesn't. How could you be him if he hits them? That guy may not be his father. So the Shaila is, what if he hits them both at the same time? Or right after each other? punches both of them. Now he hit his father. But each person individually may not have been his father. So the Gemara says like this If he hits this one, then he hits that one right away. Or or he curses this one, then curses that one right away. Or Kiloshneim so, Let's say not right out right after the other. Hits them both at the same time. With his right and his left hand simultaneously, he hits both both these men. Or curses them both at the same time. Chayiv. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Chayiv. The Tanakama feels it's chayiv. Why Rashi explains, he holds that hasra Shmo hasra. I don't really know. I, I'm sure there's halachic ramifications for other areas of shas. There's a general. There's a shayla. Most opinions assume hasra loy which means that if you give someone a warning, but it's there's an element of doubt, there's an element of the warning that's not known. It's not considered a warning, right? Halakhli, to warn someone it has to be Avada. Hasra Safik, it's not considered Hasra. Over here, when you warn this guy, the issue with, the reason why you don't get the death penalty, you warn him, but there's an element of it that's doubt. Um, hasra Safik, uh, you're, uh, you, you, you're not sure what the guy's about to do, and you say, uh, actually, let's go with this case. This case. I warn the guy, don't hit that guy, because you'll he, get the death penalty. That's not necessarily true. Maybe. Maybe not. It depends on whether he's your dad. That's called hasraasafik. It's a hasra, but there's an element of it that's a suffolk. Now over here, Rashi says the Tanakhama feels hasraasafik is considered hasra because you're you're at the end of the day hitting both. Meaning, I think if you would just hit one, everyone agrees that's not chayv. Over here, you're getting a warning, don't hit that man, and you hit both. That's enough, because at the end of the day, it is a doubt. But at the end of the day, memunav shach, you hit your father. So, so it's like an element. It's like a middle ground, not a classic hasraasafik. But not hasra vaday, since hasra self. Is it talking about a case no matter what, or what about self-defense? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I, I mean, if it's pikuach nefesh, that's a different story. But uh, hitting your father, you're going to get the death penalty regardless of what what happened, what led to it. So <laughs> the Gemara says that's the Tanakhamashi. Or Yehuda Oimer, the disagrees. He says no. Bevasachas He says no. It has to. You're only chayiv if you hit the bevas because Bevasachas, you could tell the guy don't hit both those men right now. So the Hasra is Avadai. But if you say, don't hit him, don't hit him, or don't hit him, and he hits both of them, not at the same time, that's considered a Hasra suffix. It's not considered a Hasra Savadai. So if Yehuda holds you only Chayiv if it's simultaneously, but not one after the other. if it's simultaneously, you could warn the guy, don't hit both those men. That's considered a Hasra svaday. But if I tell you, don't hit him, and then you hit both, one after the other, each hitting was a Suffolk of whether you hit your father. So the Gemara says, so Rabbi Yudha holds that your chayv if it's simultaneously, but if it's one after the other, you're potter. So the Gemara says, I, Hatan, Rabbi Yehuda, I'm your potter, and I thought Rabbi Yudha said you're potter. Right, we're saying Rabbi Yehuda holds your chayv if it's simultaneously, but we have a price that so says Rabbi Yudha holds his potter. See, so the says, Tretanoyah, Rabbi Yehuda. There's two students who heard different things from Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, so my time, uh, demanded the potter. The question is, if, if you, well, let me ask you a question, there's an opinion, one version of Rabbi Yehuda you go over to someone and you warn him, do not hit both those men at the same time because one of them is your father. He hits both of them at the same time. According to one version of you, the potter. Why? You definitely hit your father. You definitely were warned not to hit your father. Like, what, what's, the, what's the swara behind that? So, it sounds like, and the Gemara is going to explain, there's a pasuk that says, the Gemara explains like this, <laughs> it says, cursing by a parent, and it says cursing, we say bracham because we don't want to use the terminology of cursing by Hashem. It says cursing by a parent, and it says cursing by God. Just like Hashem is singular, and there's no doubt, there's oneness to God. So when it comes to parents, it has to be singular, meaning, it's a special that if, a, if there's a doubt by the parent of who it is, even if you hit both, it's going to be potter. Because we have klala by a parent and klala by Hashem. And just like Hashem, there's, there's one and there's no doubt. So, so too, you're only chayif for cursing a parent when there's singular and there's no doubt. So if there's a doubt of who the parent is, even if you hit both at the same time or curse both at the same time, you're technically bothered due to a technicality because it's learned of exeroshava, from Hashem. And we learn how cursing from, hitting hitting from cursing. Okay, fine. Vaiter in the Gemara. The Mishnah said, it's interesting back and forth. The Mishnah said that, in, let's say both parents are Kehanim. He, again, he doesn't know who his father is, but both of them are Kehanim. So the Halacha is, he serves in the Beis HaMikdash, but he doesn't get any of the food. Because every time he goes to get the, you know, the Mincha that's being distributed, that lechem upon him. It's being distributed. The other k- Adam could say, "Well, you're not, you're not from our group, okay, right?" Because again, he doesn't know, he doesn't know who his father is, so he's just serving in that group he, from doubt, me suffering. But each koyin he doesn't get the shares. So the Gemara is a very strange question. The Gemara says, "If he's not going to get the food, why is he serving in the base of What's the obvious kasha? What would, what would the face be if I got if Adam was here? He'd give me a face. Right? What's the cash? Why serve in the base of Mekdash if you're not going to get food? We serving in the, the dish for food only. What do you mean? to serve in the basement? The, the Gemara says, "Lama He wants to do a mitzvah. What are you talking about? And the Gemara says, no, "No, no. This is what's bothering us." The Mishnah says, "Oila." Oila means we force him to serve in the basement even if he doesn't want to. We force him to serve by each mishmar out of doubt. The question is, why are we forcing him? I, I'm not asking why he should serve without getting food, but why are we forcing him? To get food, so the Gemara answers they would force no this Kayan specifically he's forced to go he has two um, two slots that he serves one for each potential father and not just that he serves we force him to serve twice. So the question: Why are we forcing him to serve twice? So the Gemara says over here we do a mishum begam meaning. Um, it's because of Gameshbalcha that because this person has a question in his paternity, if he doesn't serve in the Baysamitesh, people are gonna start saying that the father is really puzzle. Meaning, because there's already a question in this guy's paternity, if we don't make him serve, people are gonna start saying that his father is really his father. Meaning, if he doesn't serve, right, why is he not serving? If you ask him, he'd probably say, I'm not serving because I don't know who my dad is, so why am I serving in this group? Maybe I'm in the other one. So like um, you know, right? There's two there's two groups, right? Group A and group B. A month apart. He serves them both. Right? Because he doesn't know who his father is, but we make him serve. Why? If he doesn't serve, if you'd ask him why is he not serving that week in the of Meshach, he'll probably say, I don't know, because I don't know who my dad is, so maybe I'm next week, so why am I like making myself crazy? Why am I making myself crazy when I, not to serve this week when I could really be next week? But people are not going to know that. People are going to say, people are going to say, oh, it must be his father. That really is his father. But his father is Pasal Kuhun. And because of the we're going to make him serve. There's nothing wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with him. He could not be a Ka'in. No, he's a for sure a Each oh. father is a Kayin. Oh. You know, each father is a Kayin. No, each father is a Kayin. <laughs> no, We're making him... Yeah. Meaning, so the, the the answer is like this. The reason why we force him to serve the base of mikdash and each week is because if he abstains, even if he does it because he's like, listen, I, I'm not, why do I have to do both? I'll just do one, or whatever. People are not going to know the circumstances and people are going to say, oh, he must be Pasal Kuhunah. And now you have questions of paternity going on and Pasil kahuna going on. Okay, let's finish up the Mishnah. The Mishnah said that if his father's okay, very big kids are the way it works is that there were Mishmaros, weekly Mishmaros, 24 weekly Mishmaros. Each family of Kahuna had a Mishmar. Yeah. Within each Mishmar, each day, they had base av, six base avs. So each Mishmar had six base avs. So the Mishmar is let's say the Six of us here, let's say we're the Mishmar of March 1st, the week of March 1st, this is our Mishmar, and then base Av 1 is you, base Av 2 is 3, and each cousin family would have their own family, and they would serve each day. So the Mishnah said that if his, t- he knows he's a kindish, he doesn't know who his father is, and he knows, that, let's say Father A is in Mishmar 1, Father B is in Mishmar 7. Um, two months away, he serves twice, but he doesn't get any food during those weeks. Because if he goes to the kahanim and he says, hey, I'd like some of the chatas, so they could say, well, you're not part of this week, you're the other Mishmar, and they could push him away. But the Mishnah said, let's say both fathers that are the potential fathers are both in the same Mishmar, so he's for sure in this week, so he gets a share, because how could you push him away? Here's the Kasha. Even if they're both within the same Mishmar, but if they're not both within the same base Av, why can't I push him away? Right? Let's say, I know he's in this Mishmar, for sure. But he comes to me, I have the first day. I have Sunday base off. He comes to me and he's like, "I'm going to serve today because one of my potential fathers is from your base off and I'd like food." I'd be like, "No. Go to the other guy. Go to the when are you also serving? Tuesday? Go get Tuesday's food." And then on Tuesday he said, "Mean the same way you could push him off from getting food when he's in two different base offs, you should be able to to the missionaries, you should be able to push him off when he's two different base offs." No, a Mishmar is a weekly rotation, and within that Mishmar, it's subcategorized into 6 base Beis-Avs. So the question, so the Mishnah said, if both potential fathers are from the same Mishmar, he serves in that Mishmar and he gets food. Why does he get food? I should be able to push him off. The answer is, not just both fathers in the same Mishmar, both fathers are in the same base av Which means, by the way, they're probably cousins. A little more of the family drama that's going on over here. So the Gemara says, My name Mishmar is... Right when it's two mishmar, he doesn't get food because each mishmar pushes him off. mishmar Even within one mishmar, why does he get food if each base av should be able to push him off to a different day of the week? So the answer is the answer is if they're both within the same mishmar and the same av, the same base av, then he gets food. Okay. So we're starting the next parak, which is Mitzvah chalitza, a lot easier. Again, I, I remember this the first time, the first daav is easy. Okay. chalitza is the process which happens not fairly often, but it still happens today. It's if a woman does not want to do Yibam, or nowadays we don't offer Yibam as an option, we do chalitza. So if the woman's husband dies childless, she does Khalitsah. The process of Khalitza is you do it in front of Bezdin. And she takes off the husband's shoe and spits on the floor. She does not spit in the shoe. I don't know why that's a thing. It's a misconception. She spits on the floor next to the shoe. I don't know. The question is, the bezdin. What we're going to be dealing with is the bezdin of chalitza. What are what type of people are we talking about? So the Mishnah says like this: mitzvah chalitza de'yadam, you need three judges. V'afilu Even if three regular people, three non-rabbanim. So the instant kasha is. I need three judges, but they don't have to be rabbonim. they could be regular people. So they're not judges. right? If I tell uh, you you need three judges, you don't need just three people, three Dayanim. Dayanim implies rabbonim, But then you say, now they don't have to be Rabbanim, they could just be regular dudes. So then, what, what, what Nekuda do they have to be Dayanim then? You understand. So the Gemara says, okay, fine, let's go back to the Mishnah. Chaltza Uh There were two different types of shoes in the times of the Gemara. They had Minolim and Sandalim. We look at them as like shoes and sandals, but it was actually more the type of leather. Minol was a a softer leather, uh, sandal was a harder leather. Okay, So you're ideally supposed to use a sandal, which is a harder leather. Uh, by the way, if you Google Halitza shoe, yeah. it's a very unique looking shoe. But anyway... If you use a minol, which is a soft leather, it's still kosher. But if instead of taking off a shoe, you take off a sock, If you use a sandal, which is a shoe that has no sole, the sole is removed, no good. It has to have a sole because that's the definition of a shoe. If you take off the shoe off the knee, it's not kosher. What does it mean, a shoe off the knee? Let's say a person has an amputated leg, so he he doesn't have a shoe, but he wears whatever we would call a shoe, some sort of protective item on his knee, like a knee pad type of shoe. No good. That's not considered a shoe in halacha. If you use a sandal that does not belong to the husband. Or a wooden sandal. Or, it's a left shoe on the right foot. So it's the wrong shoe on the wrong foot. It's still kosher. If you use a shoe that's so big that doesn't fit him, but he could still walk in it. It's like a clown shoe, but he could still walk in it. Or a shoe that's so small, but it covers the majority of the foot. It's still kosher. Okay. So the Gemara asks the obvious question, It says that you don't need three Rabbonim, you just need three men. So what does it mean three Dayonim? What element of Dayonis do they have to be if they don't have to be Rabbonim? So the answer is, The answer is, they don't have to know the halachas of Halitza, and they don't have to be big, but they have to be Dayonim, they have to know how to read Hebrew well enough to walk the man and woman through the process. Right, there's different levels. You, you, you can know the halachas, that's impressive. But then there are people who don't know the process of the halacha, but if I give them you know, the madrich, the RCA manual, they know Hebrew and halacha enough that they could be like, okay, it says we read this now, it says read this now. That's what you need. You need to be learned enough that you know Hebrew, that you're able to read Hebrew, and you're able to walk them through the process. That is all. That's what's needed from the Mishnah. Similarly, he says, that the chalitzah were three, and it has to be with men that know how to walk them through the process. Now, from here till the end of the daf, this is very much related to the first daf in Sanhedrin, and that is how many people are needed for chalitzah. So we said three. Rabbi Huda disagrees, he says five. Five. So we're here till the end of the daf. We're going to go from different back and back and forth. Is it three? Is it five? Where do they get it from? What does he use this pasuk for? What does he use that pasuk for? Very very easy. So it's a tanoyim. How many members of the Bezdin do you need for chalitza? Three or five? Okay. So the gemara says, my time tanakama. Where does the tanakama get it from that it's three? I mean, by the way, because again, it's not capital punishment is twenty three. Sanhedrin Agadah was seventy one. Monetary is three. This is neither. And I could actually look at chalitza. Eh, I don't know. I don't know if you'd ask me what what I think chalitza is without knowing anything. Would I look at it as more monetary? Or more life and death? I don't know. I could see it being life and death-y. Not really. I don't know. I don't know what it was. So, I guess three. But again, three is not just the the subset. Three is not just like the, the standard. Three is the monetary. So, how do you know the chalitza is also three? You need a pasuk for it. So, the Gemara says, well... It says, Zekeinim. It says that they go to Zekeinim. Zekeinim is how many? Two. You can't have a Bezdin of two. Bezdin always has to be odd. So once I know it's two, then you add one to make it odd. right? You can never have a Bezdin of an even number because then they'll be in logjam. They'll they'll just be arguing with each other. So you need to always have an odd Bezdin. So it says Zekeinim, which is two. And you can't have an odd, so you make it you can't have it even. It makes it odd. So two becomes three. Okay. That's worth. What? So remind me, what's the source for 70, which is even in the east, Hedron. No, it's 71. Moshe, it was 70 oh, zikanim with Moshe, making it 71. There was never oh, a Bezdin of even numbers. It doesn't work. Gotcha. So that's a Tanakhama says 3. How did, where does Rabbi Yehuda say 5? Yehuda, because the Pusik says zikanim, and there's another Pusik that says Zikne. Zikne is 2, zikanim is 2, 2 plus 2 is 4, and you can't have an even Bezdin, you make it 5. So what does the Tanakama do with the word zikne? Which Rav Yehuda adds to? What does the Tanakama do with zikne? He uses zikne to tell you any three elders. It doesn't have to be bezdin; it could be even regular people, even uh, non-learned people. So he uses zikne not to add two, but to tell you that it could be any zakenim. Rav oh, Yehuda had so here's the kasha. How does Rabbi Yehuda know that it doesn't have to be Dayonim, that it doesn't have to be, you know, Mumchem? It could be any three men. And don't tell me from Zikne, because he uses Zikne to bump it from three to five. So the Gemara says, the <laughs> He used it from the words Le'ene. <laughs> What's Le'ene? <laughs> <la'ine>? Le'ene <laughs> means the Zikanim cannot be blind. Okay. So what does that have to do with uh, regular people? Uh, How does our Yehuda learn out that they don't have to be members of a Bezdin, members of a Sanhedrin, they could be regular people? From La'ene? Why? Because La'ene tells you they could be blind. What does that do with anything? Members of all but the Dinim could not have physical blemishes. They had to be sort of whole. A blind person was not able to serve on a Bezdin in any form. Not just capital, you see from here even monetary Bezdin. So the fact that the pasuk says that they don't, they can't be blind for chalitza tells you that it's not dealing with regular sanhedrin, because if it was dealing with regular sanhedrin, you don't need a pasuk. I know that they can't be blind because the sanhedrin can never be blind. The fact that the pasuk says they don't, ha- they are not allowed to be blind by chalitza la'ene tells you they can't be blind. Teaches you that conceptually they could have been blind, meaning they could have been members of a non-sanhedrin. The gemara says the fact that the Pesach has to tell you, you can't be on Chalitza if you're blind it shows you that that you don't have to be a member of Sanhedrin to be on the Chalitza Bezdin because if you actually think that you need members of a Sanhedrin why do you have to have a Pesach to tell me they can't be blind, I know they can't be blind I, only, I already know that from Rav Yosef just like the Bezdin has to be ethically pure and ethically whole so, to go to the next page, a bezin has to be without blemish. Now, by the way, meaning you can't be, uh, can't be blind, you can't have uh, other physical ailments. Now, by the way, although this pasik is referring to a member of capital bezin, you see that it's implied all but the idinim that people cannot have major defects. The pasik says that my beloved is perfect without a blemish. Okay, so the fact that Meleine teaches you that you can't be blind, that is the Rav Yehuda's way of knowing that you do not have to be a member of a Sanhedrin. Of Now, what do the Rabbanan do with that? Because the Rabbanan already know that you're not part of the Sanhedrin, it could be any elders from zikne. So, so how, what do they use the word Laene for? They use it for Rava. The Rav, the Rav, uh, they use a very simple. You know what Aene teaches you? Not blind, not blind. It has to be the best and is able to see the spit. The spit has to be large enough and like, you know, aggressive enough that they actually could see it on the floor. It can't just be like, Pff! I like a kid, a little kid spit. Pff! That doesn't do anything. That's not, it has to be, you know, something that's significant. that they could see it with their own eyes. By the way, Ramesha Feinstein, they say, that Ramosha Feinstein, um, when he had a pacemaker put in, he was very upset. He tried to push it off, our uh, stent, he tried to push it off as much as he could because he said, I'm no longer Roy to be on a on a Sanhedrin from this Gemara. And it, it bothered him very much because he said, I'm waiting for Sheik to come, I'll be and, and he would be the head of that bastard. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, and what if we're talking about an old lady who can't spit? She's gonna have to she's gonna have to practice. <laughs> she's gonna have, I don't know she's gonna have to practice. Is that a thing? Is there an age where you're no longer able to, to, to spit? I don't know maybe I don't know maybe. You know what we're, we're, I'll, I'll, I don't know she'll call their abundant and they'll walk her through it. <laughs> they know how to do it I don't know they'll figure it out but you're right it's, it's a problem it's, it's, it's clearly necessary according to this opinion it has to be spittle enough that they're actually able to see it the Gemara says okay now how does Rav Yehuda know that because Rav Yehuda uses Le'ene for something else shouldn't Rav Yehuda also use this the answer is yes he uses Le'ene for that he does not use it forget what we said before he does not use Le'ene to tell you that they could be regular people and they can't be blind forget that he uses Leine to tell you you have to see the spittle. So go back to our original question. How does our Yehuda know that they could be regular people at non Rabbonim? The answer is. The Pasuk says Yisrael. It calls the elders Yisrael. Yisrael means any Jews. Yisrael means Jews, any Jews. Okay. Now the Rabbonim who know that it could be from regular people from Zikne, what do they do with Yisrael? They they use that Yisrael they have to be Jews and not converts. You cannot have a bezin of converts for the chalitza. It's a special If they have to be born Jews, okay. Maybe maybe the reason for that is I mean it's it's Maybe the reason is that um, converts there's a certain element that like you don't want to air your dirty laundry in front of converts because they're still they, they're Jews but the, you know. Like Chalitza is like historically an in, in embarrassing uh, process that she he's not willing to take her in. Uh, nowadays it's again like in the times of the Gemara. It was like he spit on the floor. It's it was embarrassing. It could be that we, we don't need converts to see that. Let, let, let them let them think of Judaism in a very positive light. They shouldn't have to see the underbelly. Let, let it, maybe anyway it doesn't matter. Look at the Tanya Okay, the so how does Rabbi Yehuda know that it can't be Gerim? Because he already uses Yisrael to tell you non-elders. The answer is, be Yisrael it says Yisrael twice. Okay. So one to tell you any non-Rabonim, and one to tell you non-Gerim. The there the Rabonim, who already know all these, what do they do with the extra Yisrael? They use it for the other of Tarfin. We were once sitting in front of Tarifin, and the Yevam came, after she takes off the shoe, everyone, I'm sorry, uh, before she takes off the shoe, Rav turned to the bezin and said, all of you say the following together. That's what they say out. How do you know the bezin is supposed to say that? From the word Yisrael. Okay. Huh? I'm sorry? The Yisrael, do they need to say it together? The Yisrael mean. meaning... I don't know how they see that from the word Yisrael. The word Yisrael teaches you that you have to say Cholotanao. Anukulchem Cholotanao. Uh, okay, 10, let's see if I scroll. By the juxtaposition of his name shall be proclaimed. Oh, from because it says Yisrael Vikaru. The next Yisrael Vikaru means that the Bezdin Karu, the Bezdin says it. Okay, the other Rabbanim, how do they know this? They use it from the next, but not Yisrael, they have Vinikra, calling out okay, fine. Good. New 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 point. the holds that you have five because zikne zikanim. Each one is two. Each time it's adding to the to say no, just zik, zik, zik is two. So that's, here's the shahila. If you're gonna say that every plural word in the parasha adds two members of the Bezdin, okay, Vikaru, Vidibru, it says Vikaru, Vidibru, so that means that you gotta add four more. So instead of three and five, it's seven and nine. Unless you do something else with these words, every plural word just add members to the Bezdin. The Gemara says, The answer is, what do you do with these words? In other words, what do you do with the words so The answer is, we use them for other things. We don't use them to tell us more members of the Bezdin, we use it for other things. That's used for a different b'raisa. The Bezdin teaches you that the Bezdin has to call him, the the the. The, the the man to the bezdin and they can't send shluchim. Normally a bezdin can send the letter, can send emissaries. Not here. They have to go themselves. Okay. The karu because they have to call him. The dibru. What does the dibru means that they spoke to him? You know what it means? You know what the dibru means? It means that the means that the bezdin should speak to them. When a rav speaks to you, it's usually it, it implies advice. The bezin should give him advice. How so? Generally, we always are under the impression that Yibam is preferred and Chalitza is never preferred. That's not true. Let's say the woman who's falling to Yibam is 70 years old and the man is 23. Do you think that's gonna make a good relationship? No. Mixing of that ages, All right? Go to any shul, go to young Israel, take the young married minion and put it with the older minion. Is that a good shul? No, it's not. A 50 year age gap is significant. When that happens, the Bezdin stands up and go. the Dibru, they speak to him and say, listen, do chalitza, this is not a good, or the opposite. If the girl's 15 and the guy's 70 years old, it's not good, this is not a good relationship. If the Bezdin feels, after meeting the people that this is an unhealthy relationship, they will advise Khalitsa as opposed to Yibam in order to avoid problems. That's Vidibru. Vidibru means they speak to them. They look at the situation, speak to them, and say, Listen, don't, don't, this is gonna be a, this is gonna end badly. Get involved. Okay. Umrabba, um the Rabbanim sometimes have to do that. They have to sometimes, right? Sometimes the Rabbanim have to end the uh, engagements if they feel that it's it's not going to work. That happens. Yeah, yeah. Amr Rav, Amar Rav Nachman. Halacha, Chalitza, Beshloisha. Oh, so you have Machloikis, the Rabbanon, and Tanakama. The Rabbanon say it's three. Tanakama says five. How do we pass him? So Amr Rav, Amar Rav Nachman, Halacha, Chalitza, Beshloisha. The Halacha follows the Rabbanon. The Chalitza is three. Why? Hoyel Vestamlon, and what, how do you know? Because what's the first three words of our Mishnah? Mitzas Chalitza, Shlosha. Stam Mishnah. The Stam Mishnah is three. So because the Stamish Mishnah is three, we're going to go with three. Here's the Kasha. I'm Oh, so wait, wait. You're telling me that every Stam Mishnah we follow, here's the problem. i Right? I'm not going to get involved. We know what Miyan is at this point. Mian is where a girl got married... Below bat mitzvah by her brothers or her mom, and she has the right to annul it if she chooses. That process is called mian. Now, that process of her saying "I want out" and the bezin saying "Fine, you're annulled," you need members of the bezin. How many? The Mishnah in the beginning of Sanhedrin says "chalitza and mian is shlosha." Mian is three. So that means that if you're going to go with this rule, that a stam Mishnah that you follow, so the stam Mishnah over there says what? Mian is three. So, that would tell us, pause, how many people do you need from a Bezdin for Miyan? Three. But the problem is it's not true. We don't ask in that way. Here's the issue. The B'chiteh says, Miyan, how many members of the Bezdin do you need from Miyan? So, again, the Mishnah and Sanhedrin starts off, stamisha three. But it's not so partial like that. First of all, Beishamai says three, but you need three members of the Sanhedrin, of the capital punishment Sanhedrin. Okay. But I'll tell you why. Miyan is a little bit... Um, it's related to life and death, because if Mian is not done properly, she is a married woman, and then she might live with someone, and it could lead to the death penalty. So, Be'i be says you need three, and you need members of the 23 to do it. Three of the 23. Be'i says no, bezin. Silo says no, three, and it doesn't have to be members of 23, any three. But so far, you need three. They say, no, you need two. Two is fine. Meaning you need a uh, edus. You don't need a Bezdin. And that's how we pass in. So here's the kasha. If you're telling me that we pass in Chalitza's three because it's Stam Mishnah, but there's a Stam Mishnah by Mion, and we don't pass in that way, so what's the difference? Why by Chalitza's a three, but by Mion is a two? So the answer is, it's a strange answer, Hasim Chad Stamah HaChatre Meon only has one Stam Mishnah of three. We have two Stam Mishnahs by Chalitza, so two beats. So, so we follow Chalitza being three because there's two Stam Mishnahs. Miun, we don't because it's only one Stam Mishnah. The Gemara says, The The Mishnah says later on that Miun is done in front of two, so that's two Stam Mishnahs of meon being two. So now, what's the difference? Chalitza, we follow three because Stam Mishnah. Because there's two Stam Mishnas, me and not. But there's two Stam Mishnas by me and also being three. So what's the difference? The answer is, Halitza mm-hmm. has three Stam Mishnas. Let me ask you a question. If, if you believe in a Stam Mishnah, if you believe that when Revu D'Anasi wrote a Mishnah and he didn't give a name, that that's significant, do you think it matters if it's two or three? It's like, um, I once saw this, someone wrote a letter to, I don't know who it was, remember, Belski. Belsky? It was like a fiery, it was, it was It was a fiery Rav, that like he quoted, he said, Rav Moshe says it seven times, in seven different places. So, I think it was Rav Felder, said, oh, man, it's Talmud, Rafelder fiery. Rav Felder wrote back to the person, and the guy was like in prayer, quoting, Moshe khayel khayel and he said, if Rav Moshe said it once, do you think he didn't have conviction? Like, oh, he said it seven times. Like, oh, now it's real. <laughs> if you believe in it, if you believe in it, you believe in it. You know what I mean? So... So, why do we follow Chalitah's three? Because Stam Mishnah and Sanhedrin. But Meena is two, even though it's a Stam Mishnah, because Meena only has two Stam Mishnahs, Khalita's three Stam Mishnahs. What's an Avcomina? If you believe in a Stam Mishnah, you believe in a Stam Mishnah. If you don't believe in a Stam Mishnah, then it's not significant. It's either significant or it's not. What's the matter? Two or three. What's the difference? So the Gemara says, huh? The Gemara says, uh bum What's the difference? The answer is like this. So, two more minutes, so we'll, we'll finish. The answer is it's the reason why we say Chalitz is three is not because it's a Stam Mishnah. It's more than that. Over here, right, we said it's a Machloikis, review who done the on how many members of the Sanhedrin. The Rabbin say three, review this as five. Okay? Look at that Mishnah in Sanhedrin. That Stam Mishnah of Chalitza being three. What does it say there? Look at the Mishnah. It says Smicha Zakenim Smicha, Egla Rufa Bishloisha. Div Rav Yosi, Rav Yehuda Mechamisha. Rav says five. Chalitza of Ami and Bishloisha. Chalitza is three. It's not just that it's a Stam Mishnah. It's Rav Yehuda reversed his opinion. Review Yudha argued over here about Khalitza saying it's five. Over there Rav Yudha argues about egla Rufa that it's five, but by Khalitza he gives in. It's not just a Stam Mishnah. It's a Stam after a Machlaikis. The Rav Yehuda historically throughout Shas argued about five. In that Mishnah he's arguing, so it's not like he didn't see the Mishnah. He's arguing, but by Khalitza he backs off. So the reason why we say three by Khalitza, not by Miyah is not because Stam Mishnah. It's more than a Stam Mishnah. It's that Review Yudha reverses opinion in that Mishnah. That's why we follow it. Let's just finish up the daf. Very easy. Like like, Review the reverse his opinion. So Rabbi over here said five, but over there he he agrees that it's three. Okay, let's finish up the daf. Dayani duchta, the rabbanim have to get there before the chalitza and declare publicly, out loud, this is the area where we're going to be doing chalitza. So the, meaning you can't just have a woman walks up to three rabbanim who happen to be sitting there and she like, can we do chalitza? No, they have to go to a place and say this is where we're doing chalitza. Okay, <laughs> Ref Papa and Rav Huna Yeshua. Hold on, hold on. If the source of Yudami is from Rus. He lived in Eastern Rus. It seems as though cloning Almogi was just just walking around. Evidently not. No, the, uh, evidently the rabbanim were gathered for that purpose. No, he, he, <laughs> it, Baya said, "Vekaru v'zikne." B- 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 gathered them together. The bezin has to be gathered. My point is that if you find three rabbanim who happen to be sitting in a restaurant. You can't just go over and be like, oh, I got three Rebunahs, let's just do Khalita. No. The Rebunahs have to be gathered for that purpose and say, we are gathering for that purpose. Huh? Is that the case? The yeah, so exactly. Respect, within that, you've got to go to a certain place. Exactly. And the Rebunahs have to verbalize and say, we are go- we are gathered together to do chalitza." Okay. Now, very quick. How do we pass in How many members of the Sanhedrin do you need? We pass in three. That's even Rav Yehuda, who said five, reverses opinion. Let's finish up with this. Rav Papa, Rav Hunubrid, Rav Yeshua, Avi the Gemara says the and be sure when they did Chalitza they got five together. Who is that like? Keman? Rav Yehuda? It must be following Rav Yehuda. I But didn't Rav Yehuda reverse his opinion? Everyone agrees you need three. So why did they get five? The answer is lefarsume nisa. The answer is three for the bezdin and then two people to declare it. Meaning, they, in order to publicize, we need people to realize that she did Khalita properly so that people don't think that she's a woman who's not allowed to marry others. So you, when you have three, the truth is, everyone agrees you should have five. Not five for the Bezdin. Three for the Bezdin, and two to take pictures, to, to, to declare it, to spread the word. So you need five, three for the Bezdin, and two to be Mafarson. The Gemara says, following stories like this, Rav Ashi ikla of Kahana, Rav Ashi went to Rav Kahana's house, Amr leh solik mar gabon, he says you should join us limluyey bekhamishah to be the to be part of the five to publicize. Amraf kana have a koikamider vhudah. Amraf kana says I was in front of vhudah. Amra le tusuk join the bundle of reeds. Dikona let's diru bekhamishah and join us to be the fifth. Amra le lumali So he said why do I need five? in order to to publicize it. Rshumbar yhudah have a koikamider vhudah. Rshumbar yhudah was in front of uh Revyhudah. Same thing, join us to be the number five. Now meaning they wanted Rav Shmuel bar Yehuda to, to join him. Rav Shmuel bar Yehuda was a convert. His father was also a convert. His father was was a convert, he was a convert. They both converted. Rav Shmuel bar Yehuda was a convert. So they wanted him to be part of the publicity five. He said, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't because... I'm a convert, and a convert's now to be a part of the bezin. and even though I'm being part of the publicity, you see, even publicity has to be Roy right for the Bezdin. But, but You can't be a member of the bezin Khalitza if you're a convert, and I'm a convert. So the Gemara ends with this. The Gemara says, "to, to it's obviously a tremendous amount of integrity from Rabbi Shmuel Bar-Yehuda's perspective to say that he's a convert, and to not be a part of the bezin." So the Gemara says, Amr Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda used to say, Rabbi Shmuel Bar-Yehuda, that his <laughs> integrity is so high, I would take money based on what he said, meaning, if he said someone owed money, I would collect the money, just based on his word alone. Now, here's the question: That shows the level, high level, that he's an integral, has has integrity, and he doesn't lie. Can you just take money from someone because a rabbi says? Let's say R- Rav Chaim Kanievsky says you owe him money. Chaim Kanievsky doesn't lie. Can you take money from it? No. You need Edom. The Gemara says, uh, mm-hmm. I made them. Meaning I understand I get what you're trying to say. You're saying that Rishmore's a very a lot of integrity, he wouldn't lie. But to say that you would actually take money based on his testimony one single guy, that, that's not true. You need a witness. The answer is mm-hmm. I wouldn't take money. I would cancel a star based on it. Meaning I wouldn't take money based on it, but if someone had a star that said I owed money and he said that money that star was already paid up, I would rip up the star based on what he said. I will stop you. My pleasure.